Welcome, everyone, to issue 31 of the Paper Cuts podcast. I am your host, Dan Ryan, and joining me from just over the bridge in the great state of New Jersey is... Evan Goldstein. Well, Evan, I gotta tell you, another week, (laughs) another slate of shitty, shitty Convergence books. (laughs) Now, last week, we did... (laughs) Well, I'm glad they didn't let us down. That's all I can say. Consistency is key, my friend. This is true. <laughs> Last week, we did the giant size issue, and you, me, and Dean, even though he wasn't on the podcast, uh, and he's not on this one either, because, you know, he's, like, celebrating his mom's birthday. Oh, that's some, malarkey. Yeah, a bunch of malarkey, if you ask me. Full of it. I'm up to here with the malarkey. <laughs> with malarkey. <laughs> Uh, Last we, week, we just we, named the podcast again so early. That's what I like about this show versus Stone Age Gamer. Stone Age Gamer, the episode title usually comes way at the end. This one, we're like, oh, uh, whole bunch right of malarkey. up front. Done and done. Nice. Yeah. Last week, we all read all the Convergence stuff, and uh, it was terrible. This week, I read all the Convergence stuff because apparently I'm a masochist is what I've discovered. So we're going to jump right in. I know that you read two other books, and I read one of them, so we'll talk about those in a minute. But I want to kind of barrel on through here and give you the rundown of the Convergence books this week. All right, I'm just going to take a nap. Just, uh, I don't know, call me when you're done, I guess. Is that how we do this? All right. Yeah, that's that's about it. Uh, So... We're going to go backwards this time, though, in reverse alphabetical order. So uh, so is that numerical order? Uh, no, it's ZYX oh. order. Um, um, yeah, wow. that was. Let's see how far we get without having to go A, B, C, D. Okay. <laughs> a, B, C, D, F, R. No, the website puts them in alphabetical order, so I'm just going to read it backwards. So you're cheating. Mm-hmm. Good to know. Superman, the Man of Steel, number one. Art by Roy Richardson and June Brigman. Cover by Walt Simonson, written by Louise Simonson. Now, before I tell you what I thought of the book, I want you to know that I usually really enjoy the work of the Simonsons. They've done some really good stuff previously. However, as you can guess from the title, Superman, The Man of Steel, this one features everybody's favorite shack flavored superhero steel <laughs> you know there are some people possibly listening to this podcast that have no idea who shack is and those or that there was a movie lucky those people are lucky ducks my friend quack quack well oh, wait, before we boy. get into this let's say it's Pre-Zero Hour Metropolis versus San Diego, California yep. versus Electropolis. And Which I don't know what that is. It sounds electrifying. Boogie, woogie, woogie, woogie. <laughs> and Metropolis and Kingdom, Kingdom Come. Come. Yeah. Okay. So, so those all, uh, the all alleged Metropolis four players. Yeah. The alleged because it doesn't tell you who's who. I didn't see so, Wildcats at all. That's very deceiving. Yeah. There's a picture. That, well, in, in this book... um. Basically, here's what you need to know. Were you a fan of a fan of Gen 13? Yes. Uh, were you? Really? I was. I it was. I think it was because that the one woman sort of like hulked out of her clothing every issue. Fairchild. That's the one. Yeah. I was young. It was the 90s. <laughs> you were young. It was drawn by Jim Lee. <laughs> All right, I get it. Um, unfortunately, the biggest problem that this book has is that it has steel in it. Oh. Uh, you know, I was a big, 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 big into the death and return of Superman stuff. I liked most of it. I thought a lot of it was really cool. Looking back at it now, that's because I was a dumb kid. Uh, but back then, I really loved it. Even that being said, I always hated Steel. I thought it was just the most contrived nonsense. Like, his name's John Henry Irons, really? And uh, he's like, uh, 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 you get it? I do. You get where they're going? Iron, Steel, uh, it's like iron. a metal thing. And I don't yeah. mean like hardcore, shake your head, whip your hair around, throw up the devil horns metal thing. No, that would be awesome. This sucked. <laughs> it sucked on toast. Uh, Steel's niece and nephew are in it for some reason and they also have suits 
Like the the suit always bothered me because it's a metal mask, but you can see his lips. Like, and they move. Ugh, and they he move. move. He shows yeah. you know emotion through his mouthpiece. It's terrible. It's like he's painted. Uh, it's like a body paint type thing with yeah with it's, chunks on it. Oh god, it was just bad. Just okay. bad. Parasites in it. Um, you know, whatever. Skip this one. Terrible. Next. <laughs> okay. Next. Come on, computer. There we go. Supergirl. No, not, not Supergirl Matrix. Yes. Supergirl Matrix. <laughs> Supergirl Matrix. I expected Neo. Is that wrong? <laughs> you, you're I, not wrong for expecting that. I was disappointed. So. Uh, yeah, well, yeah. Art by Timothy Green II. Uh, covered by Howard Porter, who is an awesome artist, and I miss him on monthly titles. Written by Keith Giffen. Uh, this was actually one of the better uh, Convergence books this week, mostly because it is Keith Giffen's writing, and there is so much tongue-in-cheek humor in this one of Keith Giffen saying, like, you know, uh, look, we get it. It was the 90s. Supergirl <laughs> was a protoplasmic blob that at one point thought she was Lana Lang, and at a second point thought she was Supergirl, and it's fucking stupid, and we're acknowledging that. Uh, but this is the protoplasmic blob Supergirl who can do all types of weird stuff. She was created by Lex Luthor II, who actually turns out to be, surprise, surprise, spoilers 20 years later, Lex Luthor just with fucking red hair and a beard for some reason. Um, not for nothing, got Tim, Timothy, Timothy Green. Yeah. He's got away with hair. He does. He really, it's very pointy. Mm -hmm. Lots of, it seems like everything is always blowing in the wind. Yep. Um, There's a lot of wind in this issue. <laughs> lots and lots of wind just all over the place. Um, it, but no, it actually, it wasn't all that bad, mostly because Keith Giffen, I don't know that he can write a bad comic book, uh, even given the source material not being great. Mm -hmm. uh, he did a relatively admirable job. The dialogue between Lex and Supergirl is way funnier and way more sarcastic than it ever has been. Um, or ever had been back then, like before it was revealed that she was not actually Supergirl, that she was just like purple goo. Uh, they played it straight back in the in the early 90s. And this is not played straight at all. Lex is the the worst kind of mustache twirling villain that you can imagine with dialogue to match. Mustachioed so, villain. A mustachioed villain, um, even though he's bearded in this yeah. one, a, but yeah. goatee, I think. you know, Anyhow. it was okay. It, I mean, it, like I said, it, one of the better convergence books this week. Um, not my favorite convergence book this week though, but I can, I can damn near guarantee that my favorite convergence book this week is not going to be anybody else's favorite, <laughs> but we'll get to that in a few minutes. Uh, next book, Convergence, Superboy number one, art by Jose Marzan Jr. and Carl M. Moline. Uh, the cover was by Babs Tarr, who is currently doing the Batgirl book for DC and written by, again, who knows, Fabian Nicietza or Nicienza. Uh, Fabian. Fabian Nguy. Okay. <laughs> Big fan of the show, Nguy. <laughs> Big fan of the show. Uh, so this, again, is the pre-Zero Hour Metropolis with the uh, Superman clones coming back or the, the rise of the Superman storyline, as it were. This one features Con-El, uh, the cloned uh, from Lex Luthor and Superman version of Superboy, complete with uh, the 90s long on tops, shaved on the sides, haircut, and the leather jacket, and the whole, the earring, and the whole thing. And it was... Belts, too. He has belts. He, yeah, there's belts. a lot of belts. There's a lot of belts and bright colors. And this one was actually really good. Like, oh. this was just a good comic book. Yeah. Surprise, surprise, surprise. Yeah. Fabian killed it on this one. Mostly because they spent the bulk of the issue taking the Superboy character, who when this story originated in the 90s was a joke and everybody hated him, 
And they actually turned him into a really good character later on. It took a while, but they did get there with him. This one takes this kind of really snotty, shitty version of Superboy, and immediately, like, the way the story is presented, he had been Superboy for a minute before the Dome came up and Telos knocked everybody's powers out. So you had this kid who was given all of these great powers and then immediately had them stripped away, and now he had to try and and, and live his life, you know, under a dome, being powerless again, going back to being a nothing. And the the struggle that he has with it is really cool. There's a pretty cool scene of them pumping him full of solar radiation to try and turn his cells back on to turn his superpowers. Yeah, back on. And it fails, obviously, because the dome is up and Telos is apparently the most powerful being that has ever existed in the history of ever. ever. But the of the ever. heartbreak that they show on this kid's face of like just damn like damn, I can't I can't do it. There's nothing I can do about this. And as soon as the dome comes down, there's the big, long dialogue. People of my world, I have been your air and your water and your fucking blah, crops. And, blah, blah, Yeah. Exposition, exposition. <laughs> as soon as that happens, his powers get kicked back on. He's, you know, flying around through the air, going to, to save some people. And, he's, and he ends up battling the Kingdom Come versions of these characters. And to see really snotty, crappy Superboy face-to-face with old man, been-through-the-shit Superman from Kingdom Come was really nicely done. And the dialogue between the two was really good of Superman asking Superboy, are you ready enough to be what your name is? Are you ready to be a Superman and get the fuck out of my way and do the right thing? You know, and then dun-dun-dun, cliffhanger, and they're going to fight and whatever. <laughs> but this one, Superboy Convergence number one, um, was actually really good. A, a very solid overall book. The art was great. The, the writing was great. I liked it quite a bit. Awesome sauce. Awesome sauce. Convergence Suicide Squad number one, art by Tom Mandrake, uh, cover by John Paul Leone, and written by Frank Thierry. Here, okay, here's what I can tell you about this book. I don't remember a fucking thing that happened. Awesome. And I read it yesterday. <laughs> awesome. The art I'm, is very pretty. The art's really good. Tom Mandrake is a great artist. He's, he's done a lot of really good work. Um, Amanda Waller is in there for some... And, and this is why I, I think I just kind of had a mental block on it. All the... Like, Suicide Squad is, again, somewhat of a more Gotham-centric book, yet, just like last week, why are all these heroes in Gotham? This week, why are all these people in Metropolis? <laughs> why are they all in Metropolis? Why? Why? Like, and Because the you have to understand, if they weren't, we wouldn't have this week's worth of books. That's a fair point. Right? They, they are going to take on... The Kingdom Come versions of the heroes, so Green Lantern is there with with New Oa, uh, Bane was there, and Deadshot, and that's all I remember. Skip this one, it wasn't good. Cyborg Superman showed up for a minute. Oh yeah, Cyborg Superman. Meh. Meh. Next. Yeah, I I love (laughs) Cyborg Superman. The way that they used him in this book was, uh, he's the most loose of loose cannons, we can't trust him, and it's like, really? The Luciest of Cannons. The Luciest of Cannons. Ah, oh, man, there is a lot of these. Convergence <laughs> Justice League International number one. International. Art by... M- it does, you're right. I should have done it that way. Art by Mike Manley, uh, written by Ron Mars. Ron Mars is a solid writer. This was a comic book. Uh, there you go. Do you, li- <laughs> do you like the Blue Beetle? Do you like fire and ice? Do you like the red tornado? If you do, this was the book for you. If you don't, sorry. I am not a fan of the Justice League International. I don't really understand Blue Beetle, uh, why he's popular. 
Martian Manhunter's in it. He's cool. I always like Martian Manhunter. Fire and Ice, I thought, were pretty terrible characters. Or I, I at least never really enjoyed anything that they were in. Red Tornado is a, about as convoluted a character as you can get with the stuff with Bloodwind and calling back to all that from the 90s. Just uh, Ted Cord said he missed Booster Gold, and I did too because I would have liked this book more if he was in it. I don't know about there you. you. Go. I did too. You know. <laughs> I told you I wasn't reading another Convergence book. No, no. I and did, I'm gonna, and, and I read one. And I'm going to do it again this week, and I'm not happy You're like about it. Like a sadist, it. I really am. But I want to save you guys. I appreciate it. You it's know, ever man. since Dean bequeathed the hosting duties to me, so I feel like I have a higher uh, <laughs> responsibility. With a great, responsibility with, with great power becomes great responsibility <laughs> with great sucky sucky books. Yeah, with great responsibility comes a bunch of horse shit horse <laughs> moving right along convergence green lantern slash parallax number one art by bill reinhold and ron wagner written by tony bedard uh this while not my favorite book of the convergence There's only so many left dude you gotta i know i right. know okay if you know me i know you and i know what it was but continue go ahead you might be able to guess at which one it was it was the actual book convergence oh god no that's oh. why we're saving that that oh. puppy for last oh oh boy what a go, steaming good. pile yeah. I'm green glad lantern I read that one <laughs> green lantern parallax number one uh this was probably the most well-written book of of all of them they did a really nice job of taking hal jordan's parallax uh identity and he happens to be in metropolis when the dome goes up Convenient. And loses all that power, loses all of the Green Lantern rings and stuff and the, the power bat battery that he had internalized at that point, um, you know, after murdering all of the Green Lantern Corps. All of them. He, he loses all of that. He loses the Parallax entity and becomes Hal Jordan again. So the bulk of the book is Kyle Rayner going to visit Hal in prison because Hal is back. Parallax is gone. He's no longer Parallax. He's no longer Green Lantern. He's just Hal Jordan. And he remembers all the stuff that he did. And he has voluntarily put himself in prison. And, and it Doing was right done. It, yeah, it was done really, really nicely. The, the dialogue between Kyle and Hal was, was really great of, of Kyle, you know, going to him every day for a year and saying, Hal, you didn't do this. It was Parallax. It's not you. And, you know, Hal Jordan basically saying, I remember doing it. So that means I did it. I need to be in here. Yeah, and then that the one panel where he's talking with the actual police officer. Yeah. He's like, if there were mitigating circumstances, like he said, and he's just like, I murdered my friends, officer. Yeah, End I murdered story. my friends. End of story. Yeah. Fortunately, the book continues on a little bit. Right. But. <laughs> and the dome comes down. Is this the one you read? No, I'm no? looking okay. at it. Okay. Right in front of me. <laughs> the dome, the dome comes down and bang, he's back to being parallax and is like, well, I wasted a year being a Nancy boy bitch <laughs> and I'm going to go murder things. Aha. <laughs> murder. And. Kyle gets his Green Lantern ring back, and he's like, Hal, no, I know you're in there. I can talk to you. And there's a lot of overwrought dialogue at that point, or uh, internal monologue, um, which is the only point where I felt this issue really lost it on the writing, where there's a lot of, uh, I could see Hal's eyes inside and blah, blah, blah. You know, a, a little cheesier than Tony Bedard usually goes for. But Parallax is there, and... He's about to go wreck Electropolis, I think it was. Yeah. yeah. With Lady Quark and Lord Volt and a bunch of characters I've never heard of. Well, Quark and Volt um, were in uh, Supergirl. Well, right? yeah, that's the, that was the second time I heard of them. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> so you must have read them in alphabetical order. Mm -hmm, okay, mm -hmm, my mistake. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, but this one, uh, this one was actually really good. Um... If not for the Lord Quark and or Lady Quark and wh whoever the fuck Quark and Volt are, uh, this one was pretty good, you uh, know. All right, 
Yeah. A solid uh, meh and a half. A solid meh and a half. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so let's see. Convergence Green Arrow number one. Uh, art by Claude St. Ruben and Rags Morales. Written by Christy Marks. Uh, uh, again, uh, not not great, not terrible. Uh, f- certainly not worth $4. Uh, apparently, Green, Green Arrow and Connor are in Metropolis at the same time, but they don't know that either one is in Metropolis at the same time because this is the timeline where Oliver Queen does not know he has a son and his son does know about him and he's practicing to be the best archer he can be to impress his daddy. And someone has daddy issues. Someone has daddy issues. Uh, There's this really... I, I get it. It's a superhero comic. I have to suspend my d- disbelief a little bit. But Connor needs to send his father a signal because there's this gang of the Brotherhood of Purity, which is trying to, as you can ascertain from the name, racially purify the neighborhood. And they attack the ashram where Connor has stationed himself. He is kind of being a, a sort of a sort of pseudo messiah to these people, bringing them in and saving them, and you know teaching them to grow crops and a bunch of other nonsense. And he he figures out that he needs help though because the ashram is getting attacked, and he his internal monologue says something to the effect of this shot will take all of my practiced patience and skill. I've got to get it just right, and he fires one. To five three. arrows. Is it five? Because th- five well, is really not necessary. No, it's like three or five arrows. He shoots them into the air. Apparently, these are smoke arrows, and the arrow smoke happens to be green. So when he shoots them in the right order and does the thing, there's a big green arrow in the sky, and the green arrow is pointing down at the building. And then his dad sees it, and he's like, "Huh? There's a big green arrow in the sky." I bet you that's for me. <laughs> and he drives over to it, and Connor's like, thanks for coming, Green Arrow. I mean, Dad. And then there's a bunch of like, I don't know you. You're not my son. How do no. I? How? I, yeah, yeah. Is Like, and, and this is kind of the problem that I had with this, and this is a little bit of spoilers for the problem that I had with the Convergence main book this week. You have got a really emotional moment here of Green Arrow finding out that he has a kid and his kid's kind of a badass and is doing all these really great things. All the stuff that Green Arrow talks about wanting people to do in life and his kid is doing it. And as soon as he meets his kid, he's like, I left you. How could I be a good father? And his son says, you could be a father to me now. And then the dome comes down and they don't talk about it anymore. You had this really emotional big moment and they go, yeah, but we got to fight people like we're a comic book. We have to fight and shoot and be yeah, bad. Assery. Not good. <sighs> not good. A little contrived, a little ridiculous. Um, You know, the, the shooting the arrows thing shooting, up in the air. Shooting that the was, arrows to make an arrow just seems. Yeah, it was, that was a little stupid. Anywho. Uh, Convergence Catwoman number one, uh, written by Ron, or art by Ron Randall, written by Justin Gray. This was an incredibly uneven book. It went from the first couple of pages. Catwoman is in suicide slum and she's about to steal a bunch of stuff. And then the dome comes up and then the next page, she's a hero fighting off all the criminals with no explanation whatsoever. Ta-da. I don't know what's yeah. Sorry. Yeah, there there was like there was again, and this was kind of the problem that we had with a lot of the books last week, of there was so much story here and you just skipped right over it and then got to the reveal at the end of like, oh, she's gotta fight Kingdom Come Batman. And he has one hell of a jaw. Yeah, Not he really lie. does. Ugh, it was it <laughs> You could tell I didn't read any of these books. I'm just picking out specific things to look at. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no good. Don't read. I, I, you know, not no. However, Uh-oh. that brings us to uh oh, 
Did, could you guess? Did, did you know that this was my favorite? I did. Convergence, Batman, Shadow of the Bat, number one. Art by Jason Paz and Philip Tan. Written by Larry Hama of G.I. Joe Comics fame. That is correct. Here's the thing. I, and I will lose some geek cred for this, fucking love the Batman Asriel costume. I Hello? Dan, love Dan, it. I think you were cut off. Dan, I'm sorry. You came in <laughs> scratchy there. Say it again. Say it again. <laughs> One more time. You were going through a tunnel, right? I could have sworn you said. I was. <laughs> I, I love it. I thought it was awesome. Okay. I still think it's awesome. Well, that makes it not better. I don't, <laughs> I don't care what anyone says. It is. So this is literally letting your freak flag fly right now. It really is. All right. I fucking loved it, man. Like, back in the 90s when Bruce Wayne's back was broken by Bane, Jean-Paul Valley, a character previously known as Asriel, took over the mantle of the bat. And he designed this just ridiculous costume where... <laughs> Very pointy and sharp. There's a lot of sharp edges to the, to the Asriel Batman costume. It was designed by Joe Quesada. Um, and other than the pouches around the thigh, I really like it. I really do. It's a terrible costume. Why? Why? Why no? Like the pouch, the thigh pouch. Uh, because I uh, the pouches are stupid. Okay. He's because uh, he's already got them around the belt. But well, you could never have <laughs> enough pouches if you're a bat. In the nineties, you could this certainly is, never have enough pouches. Very true. <laughs> but I thought it was. I thought it was cool. It made sense to me in the nineties of like, hey, you know, this guy just watched Bruce Wayne, the greatest superhero of all time get his ass handed to him by a dude who just utterly destroyed everything about him. You've got to come with something a little bit more than a Kevlar suit. So he created this thing and the cape was awesome and the gauntlets were really cool. And, you know, yeah, there was a lot of it that was pointy, but whatever. Fuck you. I like it. Okay. It's almost as if you're reading my mind. I know. I know. It wasn't well-loved by most people. It is looked back on as a really stupid costume. But, in the same respect, do you remember, and some of our listeners will remember this as well, also in the 90s, right around this time, Daredevil went from having a red costume to a red and black costume with some pointy shit on it? No. You don't remember that? Of course I remember that, but I'm not going to admit <laughs> it on this podcast. No, I, I do liked not remember that. that costume as well. <laughs> it was a badass costume. I think you have a thing for pointy things. I, I do. I love like three times. I love pointy things. That's my house. What about covered in what do you, covered what do you in think about the shit. writing? Because I would like Larry's writing. I I thought it was really good. I really enjoyed it. It was a very very solid comic book. The the interplay between Bruce and Jean Paul was really good. There's a cool scene cuz they're trying to take down this uh this mo mobster boss and uh Jean-Paul Valley is posing as the muscle and Bruce Wayne is trying to get himself into the gang because again, you know, uh, Bruce Wayne's in Metropolis for some stupid reason. And you know, he recognizes Jean-Paul Valley and and Jean-Paul being the new guy says, "Don't worry, you know, I'll I'll handle him. I'll see if he's telling the truth. I'll beat it out of him." And Bruce and Jean-Paul have a, a conversation about how they're going to work together. And then Bruce looks at him and in just the most badass way is like, all right, now you got to kick the shit out of me. You know, mm -hmm. because right. we have to make this look believable. You have to beat the shit out of me now. And he does. And he, he beats the shit out of him. And Jean-Paul, who I always really did like as a character, and just the kind of cold, calculating nature of that character was like, I, I trust you take solace in the fact that I did all of the damage to avoid your recently broken back. And Bruce was like, yeah, thanks. Look at that. You know, that was yeah, I, I just like that kind of stuff I think is cool. Like, here's a guy who is so good at this that he can beat the shit out of you, but do it in a way as to not further injure your already, you know, hurt back. That's kind of nice and it's sweet. sweet. Yeah. Um, it's considerate. Yeah, but, you know, it, it was it was a good book, and... and Naturally, Asriel and, and Batman end up 
going at it towards the end and fighting over how they're going to uh, ultimately stop the the bad guys. And at that point, um, uh, I just blanked on the name. Wildcats show up. Uh, uh, no. Was it Wildcats? No. It was uh, Wetworks. Wetworks. Sorry. Wetworks show up. The gold it's, guys. It's been, gold guys and gals. It's been a long time since I've read any of the original image books. Yes, the <laughs> but Wallace for some Port- reason they are completely burned into my memory. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, I, I they are Wallace Portacio's Wetworks, so I do at least remember that thing. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, the Wetworks guys show up, and then that's where the book ends. And this one actually has me really excited for the next issue because Azriel and pre-zero hour Batman against the Wetworks characters. That sounds really cool. I'm excited for that. I will. I so, will actually give that one a shot. I'll take this was, that. Yeah, this was my you. favorite book of the week. You should read this one. I. I, I will. No. Worries. Okay. Maybe. No, I will. you won't. You will. All right. All right. So, <sighs> Convergence Aquaman number one, with uh, this one I had a made. Okay, art was by Cliff Richards, written by Tony Bedard. The cover was by Becky Cloonan. I really like Becky Cloonan's oh, artwork. Goodness, I so disagree with you, but okay. But not for this type of book, not for this type of character. In certain, when Becky Cloonan is working in her kind of wheelhouse, she does some really good work. Okay. Superhero comics, I have never felt is really her wheelhouse. Okay. You know, uh, so anyway, in this issue, we have Aquaman who is kind of slowly losing his mind. He this is Hook Hand Aquaman. So pre zero hour uh, Aquaman. That what is the it's like um what's that gun that they use underwater? Um a harpoon. It's a harpoon hook thing because it always yeah. comes back to him. It's on a it's on a string and he he swings around the city in it. The best part of this book, I thought, was was the the dialogue explaining that after Aquaman had knocked, um, not Radioactive Man, but whoever DC's version of Radioactive <laughs> Man is, into the water, he needed to to find a place where he could get water. So Aquaman takes over the Metropolis Aquarium, and he just lives there now. <laughs> That's so goddamn funny, and I don't know if Tony Bedard was trying to be funny, but but like the idea of Aquaman like going out for a day of fighting crime, you know, because he's been in this city for a year, so he you know he had a day and maybe he did a good job and caught a couple criminals, and he comes comes home after a hard day of work, and he's all by himself except for the fish, and they swim up expectantly to the glass, and he's like. Yeah, no, I had a pretty good day today. Yeah, no, 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 yeah, got a got a couple of got a couple of bad guys. Well, well, no, Steve. They, they yes, they laughed at me again, but fuck you, Barry. <laughs> like and he just this just this insane like madman conversation that Aquaman would have with these fish. That was the most enjoyable part of this book, and it's not in there. It was in my mind. <laughs> I filled in the the blanks, the the gutters in between panels. Aquaman was having some really off the wall conversations with these fish. So if I read this book, I'm not going to get the same thing. No, well, you might now, and I hope anyone who reads it does. Just try and imagine, write for yourself, if you will, a scene of Aquaman talking to a dolphin about his day. And then, like, a no. really asshole crab <laughs> popping up out of the background is like, I bet you could have saved more people. And fuck you. You know, like, uh, it's just uh, it. Uh, OK, <laughs> it was it wasn't good. It wasn't good. The artwork was OK. The cover did not work for me. Tony Bedard, I don't think, did a great job writing this one, minus the decision to put Aquaman in the aquarium. Uh and then Deathblow shows up at the end the of it. The worst Deathblow I've ever seen. Like- a terrible Deathblow. And you know what the thing about Deathblow is? Why the fuck is he in this comic book? Nobody gave a shit then. <laughs> I liked him. He was in like three issues of uh, Deathblow. Image <laughs> something. <laughs> he and had then his had own like, book. For like four issues. The so? dude has been in seven comic books. Why is he a part of a major event? 
Cause science. Oh, fuck. Don't read this one either. Uh-huh. Read Batman Shadow of the Bat. Twice. All right. That, that, twice because it was awesome. Stare at the majesty that is Batman in a 90s costume. Pointy stuff. Okay. But, oh boy. Convergence number two. Art by Jason Paz and Carlo Pagulian. Written by Jeff King. I say written. All right. This is the one you read, right? Yeah. Okay. Yes. First things first. We have to get this out of the way before we discuss the rest of the book. Telos is showing a bunch of superheroes what he can do. He is showing them how he can force worlds to be put against each other in mortal combat. Mortal and the... Sorry. It's okay. It's what I wanted everybody okay, else to do in their sure. heads, too. <laughs> oh, sorry. And the worlds that they choose to put in here, I felt were so incredibly disrespectful and such an underhanded, shitty thing to do that it really soured me on reading the rest of the Convergence book f- books for the week. Thankf- thankfully, Asriel Batman saved that for okay. me. You have to explain. What they did was they took the the Flashpoint universe where all the superheroes are cyborgs and and had them murder, murder the ever-loving shit out of the just-imagined Stan Lee creating the DC universe. There was a series of books in the early 2000s where Stan Lee came to DC and did Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern, The Flash, I think Aquaman... And a Justice League book. He did like seven or eight books. Mm-hmm. And they weren't great by oh, any stretch wow, of the imagination. That is, that's an understatement and a half. But continue. Yeah, they were not good books. But it was really kind of interesting and cool to see what Stan Lee's take would have been on these characters. Stan Lee, whether you like the guy's writing or not, and I don't love his writing. You have to respect the ever-loving shit out of what that guy accomplished. Okay. That's he is responsible for everything, everything. we do today. Right. He is. Uh, I Him fully understand and Jack that Kirby. And agree. And But I'm still wondering why you took such offense to that crew getting slaughtered. Because it could have been anyone. It was purposefully Stan Lee's characters. And, and why do you feel that? Because it could have been anyone. And those characters were so unmemorable. The that... first crew that got destroyed was that Old West crew. Mm-hmm. That you didn't have a problem with that. You're the, I, I think you're putting a little bit too much backstory into it. I probably am. But <laughs> because the fact of the matter is, if these two teams were pitted against each other, cyborg people, cyborg group, oh would yeah, take the evolving shit out of them. Absolutely. But we are talking about a DC universe that is full of infinite possibilities of their own admittance. Oh. To purposefully kill off the Stan Lee characters really just seem like a dig at Marvel. Like a, a their, big they, fuck you. That's what they do. I understand companies. I get that, but leave Stanley out of it. He's a 90 year old man. Oh my God. I could see if like it said like at the beginning of the book, just in case you didn't know this, the group that dies in this book was created by Stanley. I'm willing to bet 70 to 80% of the people that read this title did not know that those people were created by those characters were created by Stanley. We just happened to live through a time that, that was forced upon us. <laughs> that unfortunately we had to read those because okay. we all read them. Uh, we were like, I, out, I gotta outs- see what this is. All right, so now let's take that little blurb out. So outside of that, here's how I feel about this book. If you want to be a comic book writer, you should buy this issue. You should not read this issue, but you should buy it. And when you write a comic book, you should read over your script, show it to your friends, and then, then, then 
after you have written your first comic book, you should go back and read Convergence number two. And if it is any way comparable, (laughs) you should quit writing comic books forever. You should burn everything you have ever written and you should never do anything creative again. <laughs> wow. This now, really, was don't sugarcoat by it. far. Tell me how you really feel. The worst book I have read in the last like five years. Wow. It was so, so bad. So bad. The dialogue between Dick Grayson and Thomas Wayne Batman's dad, who becomes mm-hmm. Batman in the oh, Flashpoint <laughs> universe. Hot second there, I thought you were explaining that to me. <laughs> Sorry. <No. laughs> Sorry. The dialogue between them is the most amateurish, stilted garbage that I have ever read. Okay. It, and on top of that, you have a moment in this book where Thomas Wayne who we only know from Flashpoint, but we know him enough because we the Batman origin story is so ingrained in the collective American and world psyche of here is this young boy whose parents are murdered in front of him, and that drives him to become the perfect weapon, as it were, which was a really terrible 90s movie and video game. <laughs> um, but he becomes this just ultimate quest for justice we understand the batman character and because we understand the batman character we understand thomas wayne as well and they meet in this book and all of those times that you have imagined in your head of what batman would say to his father and vice versa if they ever got the chance doesn't happen there's no dialogue between the two they look at each other then there's a couple panels of Alfred saying some bullshit in an overwrought monologue. And then Thomas Wayne walks away, and that's it. Okay. No. Try again. Try again, DC. You missed the cutoff, man. <laughs> and I would like you to work on that for next season. You read this book, Evan. What did you think of this book? Am I completely off the mark here, or was this not terrible? Okay. I'm going to preface everything I say with everybody is entitled to their own opinion. Even if it's wrong, you're still entitled to your opinion. Right, Right. because if you think this was a good book, you're wrong. Okay. So, It is a comic book. That is exactly (laughs) what it is. It is a comic book that knows it's a comic book that has to take some sort of liberties with getting a story across. Okay? Now, with that being said, we are taking multiple universes and shoving them into one book. And sure, trying to have a, a cohesive story for each one of them. Because at this point, they just sort of splintered off. And I'm just talking just this one title. Okay. Right. Yeah. So absolutely, we get the whole. I don't like. I don't know the universe names, so I guess guess they all came from where Thomas Wayne is Batman. African American. Yeah, the Superman, Flash, the Flashpoint stuff. Yeah, Flashpoint. So they are in a in a heated battle throughout the entire issue, which you just skipped over. Okay. (laughs) Just you apparently only read the really dark colored pages. Yes. And skipped over the comic booky bright colored page. I couldn't read the rest of it. Okay, there is a re- I don't want to say I thought it was a well done tie in with Green Lantern, Flashpoint Green Lantern ties into um oh what do they call it? The Earth Force. What uh what do they call it? The Green. The Green. Thank you. <laughs> uh on Well, this- it is 420. Right. So oh, there we go. That was easy. The, that was cheap the- and I apologize. <laughs> The, the planet that they're on is tied to Telos, so he sort of taps into that and tries to use it against him, and it hurts him. Like, there was information given in this story through battle, 
which yeah, that's that, a comic book. That was okay. Okay, so that was all it right. Was there, it was there. Right? Yes, we do get the splinter off of of you know. Oh, the beginning of the story is 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 Grayson losing his kid. Grayson had to give up his child because of apocalypse. Right, apocalypse coming, something to that effect. Yeah, can't get apocalypse on. is coming, and can't get Grayson has to. Together. Yeah, and, that, and his, that, apparently his wife died, who was Barbara, Barbara Gordon. Gordon that, I that think was also a very emotional moment. Okay, uh huh. Which you missed because you got so upset with the Batman emotional moment. No, I I missed it because the writing was so bad. It's a okay. It's a comic book writing. <laughs> it's yeah, but but even a comic book. Oh, oh God. Oh God, no. <laughs> well, all right. I'm going to have to just, we're just going to have to agree to disagree. I don't think it was stunning. I don't think it was as bad as you make it out. Okay. The, let me, the, uh, the interaction between <laughs> Batman and Thomas could have gone way worse. Uh, it could have. Okay. But you're making it seem like it, it was the worst thing since, I don't know, ants in a picnic basket. I, I like it wasn't. It was bad. It wasn't horrible. It wasn't what you wanted, and there's a difference. The 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 the, the thought bubbles, the, the thought boxes, explained what you were looking for. They just didn't platter it for you. Let let me let me let me give you a couple examples here. But this time it wasn't Dark Side or Apocalypse. Tendrils of energy reached out, coated my body with liquid metal, spirited me, spirited me away into a dream or a nightmare. The last thing I thought of was Tommy. This isn't the end. I'm going to find you. Ugh. That's not good. A wounded father and a wounded son come to life from opposite ends of the same path, facing the only person who could ever truly see them for who they are. That's in the same book. Yeah, no, it's still not good. <laughs> <laughs> it's still not all good. All right, we're done. <laughs> uh, who shows up at the end? <laughs> uh, um, Thank you for saving Riles for the greatest year. I don't know who that is. My name is Demios. Yeah, Demos. Looks like uh, Doctor it, Strange. And I yeah, thought they did it, that, but okay. All right, my turn. Uh, I'm powering through these because I am now fucking exhausted from conversion. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> Holy I'll try. I'll try and do a quicker hit next Holy week. Holy shit! On a cracker. Run, I just... <laughs> run, love, kill. Oh boy. <laughs> um, image, right? That was an image yep. title. Image number one, writ, uh, written by Jonathan Sui and Eric Cagnette. Thank you. Art, I was, art I, by I, Eric Cagnette. I couldn't. I, I'm thanking you for that because I was never gonna make it through those two names. Nope. I know you weren't. Uh, I'm here for you. <laughs> I appreciate it. Uh, loved the art in this book. Loved mm-hmm. it. The story. I mean, it didn't give you very much. Apocalyptic uh, style future. Very um, a- Aeon? Aeon Flux? Aeon Flux was exactly the thing I thought of when I, when I opened this book. Uh, that's yes. what really, like, that's what it attracted me to. It because I, I loved that cartoon movie. Not so much, but the cartoon back on yeah. MTV days. That was great. Uh, we have an apocalypse. MTV's liquid television. Liquid television. Wow, mm-hmm. we just so dated ourselves. Yep. Um, we're old men. Okay, so we have the main character of Rain. She lives in a city called Prigot. That's how mm-hmm. I'm pronouncing it. Yep, that's uh, how I did. Um, and it is sort of ruled by the Origami, which is the defense ministry of this area, and they are in the process of building a wall around the city to protect them from the outside really don't get into much detail on what's outside, but we all know in a short while they will be protected from it. <laughs> um, when when we can glean from the character's dialogue that the real danger is on the inside. Yes, yes, we, fix, we picked up on that. Um, uh-huh. Gilead, the next taxi driver that's now in charge of teleportation unit. I yep. see how that sort of ties together. Uh, sure, you're getting you're people from point A to point that's B. Really good. Um, and she, she's trying to make it somewhere. She's trying to get to something. She ends up, you can tell that deep down this character is good, but you only get that in a glimpse when she helps her neighbor. Okay. 
okay? Everything right. else, you're sort of unsure on what her modus operandi is. Um, right. She's just trying to get out of the city and before the wall is up and there is no more chance to get out. Right. She's dealing with some sort of smuggler. Um, there's, there's definitely more backstory because at some point in time, the, the smuggler sort of puts her in a precarious situation with when it comes to owing money. And she's really shortened her time frame, it seems. And she's like, well, listen, I, I, if you push this, I will rat you out. And the smuggler says, well, listen, you tell on me, I'll tell on you. I know where that you got that tattoo, or you got that blah, 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 blah. So there is a hell of a lot more backstory about this Rain character that they just straight up didn't touch or even come close to explaining. Um, definitely tell that, that Iliad has a thing for her. He, Absolutely. Yeah, he, he, like, and he's trying to like buy her affection, which is sweet. Uh, you know, I understand. He's trying. It. He's trying. Uh, we find out that the smuggler is working with the defense ministry, um, and they've been hunting for rain. They sort of zero in on her location by the, the, the parcel that, that rain passes off to the smuggler, and it seems like they're just picking up on her fingerprints and whatnot, and they just, that's all they need, and they find her. Or it seems they have now located her and are going to get her. Right. And that's it. That's where the story ends. I was so enthralled in this book. Like, the half of the book is just, Absolutely. Is just pictures. There's very well, yeah, little dialogue. I was, I was going to say, the, the first, because I counted it, I read that book, I read all the Convergence stuff first, and the Convergence stuff is so wordy. Oh. And then to get to Run, Love, Kill is such a ballsy thing for a number one issue. The first 14 pages mm-hmm. are free of dialogue. Except for tick, tick, tick. Right, you just get a ticking clock. That is it. At no other words on 14 pages. And a lot of times I have this, this, when I'm reading a book and it has a large clump in it that's just art cells or art panels, like mm-hmm. no words, I end up like skimming them, getting a basic idea and just moving along. Because usually in a comic, if there's something to pay attention to, they'll word balloon it, they'll right. box it, they'll do something. But I found myself like I'm like I did the, the standard skim, and then I went back before I started reading the book because the art was stunning. The the storytelling from panel to panel was so it was, out of this world. It was it was like moving. It yeah. almost feels like it was a, a motion comic, for you know lack of a better comparison. Because granted, you're not going to get you know cartoon based out of the feel. Sure. Of but like if you as you're watching or as you're looking at the page, I felt like they were in motion. Yeah. We we say a lot of geeky things on this podcast of like, oh, the storytelling from panel to panel was a bit gauche and blah blah blah. <laughs> whatever. This if you, this is the book that if you don't understand what storytelling from panel to panel means, buy Run Love Kill number one and you will get it. And just I mean, you'll get it within the first fourteen pages. Yeah. I mean, you like Perfect. None of it required words. And that, ne- I'm not going to say never, very, very, very rarely happened. I was right. really, it, it was... really pleased with this book. I thought they did a phenomenal job, and this will be something I will pick up and continue to read, which... Yeah, I was, I was I blown away I by this. I don't say that very often. No, I was, I was absolutely blown away by this. I, I cannot recommend Run, Love, Kill enough. There we go. Look at that. We're agreeing. I like that. And that was all I read this week because I was <laughs> tapped out after that. All right. I got one more in me. All right. All right. And I'm, I'm really excited about this. <laughs> I wanted to read this, but I, I just okay. couldn't. Now, I'm going to say it, and then I'm going to caveat it <laughs> before explaining it. What a fact. <laughs> Archie versus Predator. Okay? Mm-hmm. AVP, if you will. That's right. I didn't even fucking realize that it AVP. was AVP. <laughs> okay. Archie versus Predator is also AVP. Okay. I didn't. I didn't even get it. Now that's brilliant. I have reviewed books that have been done by friends before. I do know the gentleman who did the pencils for this book, and Andrew Ruiz. Um, he's he's been with Archie forever. Um, right. Now going into this book, you have to know you're going into an Archie book. There is a certain protocol. When, when doing that, you have to sort of kick Batman, Superman, 
Spider-Man, those comic book styles, out. Because this is Archie. This is a staple of comic books. They've been doing the same thing for as long as there has been printed cartoons on pages. Yep. Okay? Nothing has changed. Okay? (laughs) It is that. What we get as a bonus is that... Predator? You get Predator, (laughs) but you get those... That heat vision, you know what I'm talking oh, about. God, okay, absolutely. Uh, real quick, there. Are, I haven't picked up an Archie book, and I can't remember how long. I mean, the most I've picked up is like when you're standing in the the checkout line at the supermarket, and they have the digests there. Right, the and, little half size yes, digests. I, I will flip and go up. Oh, still the same thing. Jughead Pick loves up. food. Archie <laughs> Jughead's is torn eating be- cheeseburgers. <laughs> Archie <laughs> is torn between Veronica and Betty. Um. Apparently, there's a lot more characters involved now. Uh, I don't know their names. No, I does it no really idea. matter? There's a couple no. of assholes that are from like the private school. They sure. the rest of them are from public school. Uh, they're on spring break. The regular crew doesn't know what they're gonna do. The perfect time for the predator to attack. Well, this is what happens. Archie Archie <laughs> is confronted by the Archie and his gang, if you will. Is confronted by the two <laughs> the two preppy people, and they're like, "We're going on our yacht." And there, the group is like, "Ah, oh, we don't know what we're going to do." And then Jughead, conveniently enough, opens up a bag of what looks like a cheese doodly type <laughs> potato chip bag, and they win a <laughs> all expense luxury beach vacation. So that's how oh, we get on the island. We're now on. Of course, a, they do. We're on an island. Everybody's having a good time they're figuring out because like the yearbook has to be summed up before the end of their their spring break Uh, it it, deadlines are important deadlines are important this is very true the (laughs) assholes show up on the island they leave their yacht to go hang out with the uncool kids um okay i I, well i'll I'll go back there are there's uh, a popularity contest and all that that stuff for the Yearbook. They're trying to figure uh-huh. that whilst out, on, figure that out while on the island. Um, Betty fights. Well, it's very important yeah. to look back yeah. fifty years hence yeah. and who see who was the cutest couple in your graduating class. <laughs> this is very very true. Um, there's a fight <laughs> between Veronica and Betty. Um, I changed my mind. Hold on. Betty gets her nose broken because Veronica. Oh, no. Veronica punches her. Uh. Veronica makes out with Archie real quick. Like, it was, scandal. It was scandalous. Um, but then Archie, okay, Betty ends up running through the woods with a bloody face crying because she's upset. <laughs> now her clothes are torn and like half of the cells or half of the panels are in that heat vision. And one of them <laughs> is of the predator mask. Uh, Betty finds a knife of some sort in this like tomb of the jaguar and, Okay, you got to keep up, okay, because it goes fast. And that's what I love best about this book. There was not a moment's rest. Um, okay, so they go looking for Betty. They find her. Archie literally drops Veronica on her ass when they find Betty. Okay, so they're, they're all getting back together, and they're getting ready to leave. They're leaving the island. And there are, there's like one, two, five. Six okay. There's six panels of the group talking I- inside the the jungle, and as they're talking, there's rustling, and then <laughs> drops of blood dripping on them. <laughs> Naturally, and nobody makes notice of it. Like well, I'm talking, please. Jughead's crown at one point is full of blood. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Um. <laughs> they. And then they do a pan back, and we see that the predator is above them, stalking them, and he's got a skull and 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 spine, two a pair, a pair wow. in his hand, and then the bottom panel is of the glasses of one of the assholes. Oh, the predator Broken. killed the assholes. Yes, just like we would want him to do. Dun dun dun. Okay, so they all get up onto the the plane. They're leaving the island. Betty realizes she still has this knife. They get back into pops. Burgers and hot dog joint, you know, pops, you and they're know. chatting and they're reminiscing about their, I don't know, two day vacation, <laughs> and like the last set of words is anyway. I'm glad everything's back to normal. 
but that panel is in heat vision, and there oh. is Predator hiding behind the counter at Pops without his mask. So he has that flary <laughs> mouth <laughs> open thingy. The with the, the teeth. <sighs> yes. Yeah. And then it's next issue. May twenty. That sounds so much better than all of the convergence books. <laughs> okay. Now <laughs> I am going to give you the one and only like if you need one solid reason to read this book, it is to find all of the innuendo that is just sprinkled in this book. Okay? There is a scene where they're all sitting in like a, a cabana house almost or, or like a outdoor bar and Jughead is talking to a gentleman by the name of Reggie. Not 100% sure who Reggie is. But Jughead said, I'm going to just read it, okay? Reggie and Jughead are sitting at the bar. So Jughead says, hey, Reggie, how'd it go with Veronica? How do you think it went? No chick can resist this. I'm a gosh darn sexual Tyrannosaurus. Wow. Now, I don't know if you've seen the original Predator. But there is a scene when they're flying in on the chopper where the dude that, that became mayor of, like, um, Jesse Ventura. Jesse the Body Ventura. Governor of gov- mayor. Ma- mayor. Governor. Offers gentlemen some, you, some, some dip. And he's <laughs> like, this will make you a goddamn sexual Tyrannosaurus Rex. That's right. They, they lifted that from the movie. Holy shit. <laughs> it was awesome. I am so glad I read it. it it's Archie. It was all Archie goodness. Um, Archie versus Predator. Now, apparently this is a four-part, um, but in the... the <laughs> Sounds like too many parts. You know, listen. Uh, what I, what my, my favorite surprise in this book was if they have a, an advertisement page in the back for uh-huh. another up-and-coming book that you may want to take a look at. And apparently Archie does Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Yes, which is like... Apparently, super dark. Very much so. You want to know how dark? Sure. Sabrina meets Hellboy. Sabrina the Teenage Witch meets Hellboy. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's Tiffany, a, Tiffany that's a is thing. sitting on the couch <laughs> while we're doing this right now. She is trying very hard not to laugh out loud to literally LOL right now I, I, and ruin the podcast. I'm, I'm just putting it out there. It's a thing. I All actually right. got so upset that it was a thing, I contacted <laughs> Fernando and said, how could you not tell me that this was a thing? <laughs> God damn it, Fernando. I count on you for the insider information. He, his response was, they don't tell me anything. <laughs> so, <laughs> Fair enough, Fernando. Big fan of the show. Shout out to Fernando Ruiz. Ruiz. What, Fernando Ruiz? Fernando okay. Ruiz. All right. Okay. And I'm All done. Right. So, All right. That's that. So, Convergence, terrible. <laughs> Run, Love, Kill. Awesome. Best storytelling. If you don't understand comic books, read Run, Love, Kill. And if you still don't get them, oh, comic books comics. isn't for you. Give up on um, comics. Archie versus Predator. Pick it up. Awesomeness. Evan, <laughs> tell me about Garden State Comic Fest, my friend. Oh, my goodness. Garden State Comic Fest, July 25th and 26th, Marstown, New Jersey, Menon Arena. Tickets on sale in multiple locations. Our website, um, they, we have them in some local stores to us. Uh, check out our Facebook page. You know, it's Garden State Comic Fest. Uh, the Twitters. Um, it's, it's great. We're, we're sold out of artist tables. I think we may have one or two vendors tables left, but we're done. That's it. That's awesome. I mean, I, we couldn't have asked for a better turnout. We have, if anybody is listening to this and they are interested in actually getting an artist table or a vending table, please contact us on our website because we do take a... a a reserve list, if you will, because there is a tendency for people to back out in the last minute, and then we hit that list to start bringing more people in. The last thing we want is empty tables. But That's right. We'll put you in the artist attic. Yeah, there you go. Ooh, <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> but the thing is, the, be- the best part about that is anybody that is on that list, they get first crack at our next run, okay? People who have done the show are doing the show or wanted to do the show, and we know about it. As soon as we are set up to do our next show, we contact you first before we put it out to the general public. I mean, if you can't get in on this time, you best be setting up to get back, get in there for the next. I mean, this is going to continue. We're going strong. So That's right. July 25th, 26th. Be there or be an asshole. Ooh, nice. 
probably can't put that on the uh no, on the no, official that, slogans. That's not a tagline that we could use, but we do love the center. All right. It's going to be a good time. We're going to be there full force. The Paper Cuts podcast will be there. Are we doing a panel we're or do, a show? We're doing uh, at least a live one live show. We're going to be sort of play by playing the can, entire show. Live shows, play-by-plays. We're going to throw business cards at you. We're going to have a table on the floor, a sky booth, and we're going to be doing a... A, a fucking sky booth. Yeah, yeah, it is. Holy a, shit. Yeah, didn't, didn't really know that, did you? We're going to be watching down. I'm making this as... as we're, I'm trying to make Decade as much of a part of this show as I possibly can. And I don't think I could do much more than what I'm actually <laughs> And we appreciate you for it, good sir. Woo! That's going to wrap it up for issue 31 of the Paper Cuts podcast. Thank you to Evan for being here on this Monday night. Thank you to Dean for nothing two weeks in a row. Well, he does do the editing. Don't be like that. No, I will be like that. This is a commitment, goddammit. We love you, Dean. I'm missing Monday Night Raw. Tell your mother we said happy birthday. Happy birthday, (laughs) Dean's mom. Peace out, Girl Scouts. Talk to you next week. Bye.